these things don't change. You're back in the book of the Revelation, chapter number 7. I'm going to give you a good tidbit of looks ahead, okay? I noticed this in my Bible as I was reading it. It's a good thing to do those things, right? If you want to look at look at it with me, Revelation 12, this is a little bit above, a little bit ahead. We won't get here for um, quite some while. Um, one thing I saw that really blessed my heart. You know, I mentioned these verses, referenced these verses on Sunday morning, but not this verse. Well, I did mention this verse too. One thing I noticed that I hadn't ever noticed before as I was reading back over it. Uh, you know, it says, And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent, um, called the devil and Satan, which is um, which deceiveth the whole world. He's cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then verse 10 tells us, And I heard, this is... Uh, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now it's come, say, so, so John heard it, um, but John's not speaking it. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now it's come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser, uh, the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Would God would God be able to use you as a spokesman in heaven? There's somebody talking there that's not that saved. Um, there's somebody that's talking there that's a part of the church. There's somebody that's talking there. It might be you. And um, just a thought of you. Thought um, there's somebody speaking there, and it might be you. And uh, could God trust you enough, man, to be to be His spokesman in heaven? There's one in Revelation 19 I noticed too, but. Um, there's a spokesman. I don't know who it is, but it might be me. It might be you. Man, what a day that'd be. The Lord put us in the Bible, and we didn't even know none about it. Amen? And so, Revelation chapter number 7 tonight. Revelation chapter number 7, we'll find our text there, and um, we'll preach there. So this is split up in, a, in uh, two sections, so we're going to preach it in two sections, and it's not necessarily split up in my Bible, but I bet you most Bibles, if it's a study Bible, it's probably split up in two sections there, um, and uh, probably split up from chapter one, I mean verse one to chapter eight, and then, I mean verse one to verse eight, and then verse nine and on, seventeen, and and my Bible don't have no sections like that, but if you read it pretty clearly, you'll be able to see their sections. Now I want you to, I want to mention something real quick. We've been going over the book of the Revelation, okay? And I want to mention something to you um, tonight that we need to um, we need to understand when we're studying through the book of the Revelation. So the book of Revelation is not in chronological order. And I want everybody to know that because if you're if you're reading it and you're expecting it to come on next, you would expect naturally that we've done look, look through six seals and and there should be a seventh seal. We were told there were seven seals, so therefore they if we were in chronological order, and uh, well not necessarily that. I don't think this is out of order at all. I don't think it's out of order at all. But expectation-wise, we would look at it and we'd say, hey, well, there's supposed to be a seventh seal, but that doesn't come till chapter 8. And so, so, so notice that, that this is kind of like a divine interruption and um, something along those lines, okay? And so this is our 16th message going through our series entitled The Revelation. And so we went through chapter 5, and we've seen a whole lot of praise. Is that right? Uh, we've seen a whole lot of praise around the throne of God. I'm just doing a little recap. Uh, we went through chapter 6, and we've seen a whole lot of punishment. Um, and, and there was a lot going on. There's a lot going on. But now we look at something different, and it's a completely different realm. It's a completely different realm. And so let's read verses 1 through 8. The Bible says, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. Um, clearly that would go against some people. There is clearly right there we see that there is four corners. And those four corners represent north, east, south, east, west, east, west and south. Um, you have those people who say that stuff and then they go home and watch the news. 
um, which says N-E-W-S, which stands for North, East, West, and South. Just letting you know that. But um, the, the four winds of the earth that the wind should, of the winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, that's rare, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were seven sealed, a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed twelve thousand. Of the, of the tribe of Asher, or Aser, were sent, sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of, Neph, tribe of Nephthalim were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We ask you, God, to help me tonight. Lord, I need your help. I cannot do anything without you. And I pray, God, that we would uh, see an Ebenezer, Lord, that we would see something different. Lord, in this place tonight, we need a move of God. In Jesus' name, do pray. Amen. And so in chapter 5, we've seen praise, right? And we've seen as the Lamb of God was praised for His redemption work of the earth. As He was processing that, as He was taking the deed, if you will, the title deed of the earth, and as He grabbed the scroll in His hand, and as He began with the book in His hand, He began to get ready to punish the earth. That's what is in the contents of that book. We understand that because we read him opening those books and each seal was opened from that book we read in chapter 5. As there's praise of the Lamb, there is a redemption that's getting ready to take place by the Lamb. And so we see that and so as he is getting ready to redeem his creation back and and so last week we went through uh, um, and two, two sermons we went through uh, the punishment that was going to take place uh, and uh, on the earth. Uh, and so we seem there, uh, we, we, we preached on the punishment um, that was in chapters 6 and verse 1 through verse number 8. And then we seen the prayers in verse number 8 and on and seen that there was two sides of prayers during that punishment. And so... Now, as we come to chapter number 7, we come to something completely different. It's totally out of whack, seemingly. Understand that. It it seems like it's out. Uh, um, But in reality, I believe one would start, um, expect to start reading chapter number 7 and expect to see something. And when the Lamb opened the seventh seal or, or something along those terms, we would expect... Um, to see something along those lines, but that's not what we just read at all. And so we have just read the wrath of God displayed in full course in chapter number 6. The wrath of God is fully displayed as six seals is open, uh, and we have seen it hand in hand as we've walked through it verse by verse. Now, instead of wrath here, we're in chapter 7, we're not seeing wrath, but... I'm reminded of what Habakkuk said in chapter 3 and verse 2 of the book of Habakkuk. He said, O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years. Notice those key phrases. In the midst of the years and in the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. So so as I mentioned already, we've seen the praise before the punishment. And then we got to see the prayers which were during the punishment. And so now uh, this message will be entitled, The Pause in the Punishment. The Pause in the Punishment. Now things will soon get worse and there's no doubt about that, okay? But one thing we must see here is that there are two separate groups which are mentioned within chapter number 7 
and that is the separation of the verses. Uh, and so in chapter number uh, um, uh, 7 in verse 1 through 8 in which we read, that is the first group described, uh, and those groups are considered to be all Jews. Uh, there's 12,000 out of each tribe, and there's uh, 144,000 uh, uh, in total, and there they are, and uh, um, we must not get the two tribes mixed together because the next verse mentions uh, um, that there is a great mu- multitude that no man can handle. Handle, um, no man could name or no man could uh, um, no make a number of all nations, tongues, and kindred. And no man could number them. That would put out the Calvinists real fast. Uh, no man could number. It's a new unnumberable number. Uh, and, and so we see that. And so tonight we'll look at that first group uh, um, that's mentioned here. And we know them to be as the 144,000. And so we'll preach on the Paul's. Before the punishment, or Paul's, excuse me, in the punishment. I want you to notice three things. I want you to notice, number one, with me tonight, there's a highly purposeful gap in punishment. There's a highly purposeful gap in the punishment, okay? We must realize that he's coming with you. We must realize that uh, there is that gap that is in there, and this gap must be uh, um, something that is important when we see this. Uh, um, There's something very important when we look at this, and when I look at this, there's something very important that we must not miss that is played out uh, in this chapter. Uh, And so we must see that. Notice with me, uh, um, there is an important call calls for this gap. There's an important cause for this gap. Now, uh, God calls for a, a, a momentary uh, pause, if you will, a momentary uh, gap uh, um, and, and a momentary peace to fall over all the earth. Now, that's unusual. God does not always do that. But as we mentioned, God is remembering mercy within wrath. Thank God for that. Uh, um, but he has some uh, things to uh, take place in it. And I, uh, I believe that God's wrath has just rained down upon the earth. Uh, but yet, he rather, rather than just continuing on with that, uh, um, he, he, he pauses. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know, maybe he thinks back and answers the prayer uh, of Habakkuk, uh, old, old saint of God, some years prior, uh, as he looks down and he answers his prayer uh, that in wrath he's going to remember mercy. Think about that. All those years have been in between that time and God pauses to answer that. In the midst of the years, it says. In the midst of the years. That means, uh, and the years are referencing the day of the Lord according to context. And so in the midst of that, he's remembering mercy. He said, hey, my man, uh, the man of God in the Old Testament uh, um, said a prayer. Uh, and I need to remember that prayer. Uh, and so here we are. And, and that's a great encouragement to me. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, even during a, a time uh, when death and suffering and wrath uh, uh, was reigning in supreme... And that time, uh, um, God will still be extending His grace. Uh, um, God will still be saving souls. Uh, in that, uh, we see it. We see it clearly. Uh, um, now, 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 now. The, this, this, that. That's God's method of operation. It's the way God works. Amen. Am I loud enough tonight? Amen. Because it sounds weird tonight. I don't know what it is, but He remembers mercy. In Exodus chapter number 12, God remembered mercy while wrath was taking place. And Genesis chapter 19, God remembered mercy while wrath was fixing to take place. He remembered mercy when he saved Noah and all of his family out of the flood in the midst of wrath. Thank God he is that God. He is a God who remembers mercy. When wrath comes about. And so there's this gap here. And it's an important. And there's a cause for it. And I believe that cause is him answering the prayer. He's remembering mercy. He's remembering mercy. There's an important cause for this gap. There's an important consequences for this gap. Now when we think of consequences, we think on the bad side. But that's not what consequences mean. It means 
results or, or outcome. Something. There's an outcome to everything. Is that right? Every reaction causes a reaction. Every action is going to cause a reaction too. And so things like that. But we're told that there's four angels standing on four corners of the earth. And they're holding back the four winds of the earth. Now, some, 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 some begin to question immediately, uh, but, but, but my questions would be uh, uh, something along the lines of saying, who, who are these? Who are they? Who are these angels? Who, who are these angels there? And uh, um, from verse 2, I, I believe, as we read, and I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to Four angels, and so um, for, and it's clear that these angels have been given some uh, type of power to execute God's judgment. They're there, and that's where they are. They're holding back the winds. They're holding back the things. And so the word uh, hurt carries the idea of injury without mercy. And it carries the idea that this is a a wrath. This is something without stopping. But as God uh, is sovereign and as He's answering uh, the prayers of the old men of God, He's saying, hey, hold back those winds. Now, He is not the second angel, but hang uh, fifth angel, but hang tight. I'm I'm just thinking that in the the midst of all uh, um, the destruction that's taking place, uh, they're holding back the winds. I don't know who they are, but they've been given power to do so. But what are they doing? They're they're holding back the winds. And when these angels appear, there will there will you imagine you imagine you imagine a, a world that's completely silent of no wind. I, that's what it's going to be like. I mean, you might not feel the wind much at some times, but when it gets quiet, when the wind stops blowing, it gets real quiet. And I, say, and, and, and I could just imagine that there will, there will not be a, a cold wind at all in any place. Alaska will not see wind. The top of Mount Everest will not see wind at this time. The wind will cease completely upon this, and there will be nothing upon this area and they're not the, the deserts will not be seeing any wind at this time. And so we must you know what that tells me? That tells me we serve a powerful God. We serve a powerful God, friend. All the winds that we get to see and yet he has given the four angels the ability to hold back the very winds of the earth. Just think about those things. So, what's meant by the four corners of the earth? Does this mean that things are going to take place? And does it mean that, well, I believe it's pointing to a compass. There's four points of the compass. It, I, I, I personally, if you do, it's okay, but I personally don't believe that this is explaining a flat earth, okay? But, but hang tight, if you do, it's okay. But th- this is, there, there's an expression in this that refers, it, it's, it's, it's considered an idiom exp- expression. And, and what it is telling us there is that there is a four points on this earth and, and it represents the four directions and the four navigational systems and, and the four ways that it, and it, it's, mere, it's merely a figure of speech uh, is really what it is. And the, 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 the ancient Jews in those days uh, um, believed that the, um, that the winds were blowing from the north the east, the south, and the west. And those winds were favorable. Those winds were good winds. And that's what the, they, the Jews believed in those days. And they also believed that winds came from between these directions. It's from the four corners of the earth. And if they weren't coming from the four corners, they were not good winds. Now, now I didn't, I'm just telling you that because I read it and I thought it was interesting. But these winds, uh, um, that are in this place but they thought that they were bad winds they thought that they were something uh, that were going to hurt and these could be these could be but these winds are in these four corners of the earth are simply describing directions they're describing 
you can't walk to the end of the earth and fall off. That's not what it's talking about there. But it's simply telling us that there are four directions. God works in the east. We understand that. We understand he's coming back. Where? From the east. These angels came in from, this fifth angel came in from the east. I mean, we could think back in scripture and the, the, the people uh, that were traveling to the Shinar, the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11 were coming from the east. The wise men came from the east, right? They, they saw the star and they came from the east. I believe it's prominent. I believe there's a lot of East uh, in Scripture, but but I, I'm just I'm just very particular when I read Scripture and when I study the Scripture, and and I understand what the Scripture says. But it is He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as curtains and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. It's the Lord. It's the Lord who does those things. And and so the, so there's this in there. And the, the, the book of Revelation uses a lot of numbers too. So it says the four corners of the earth. It uses a lot of numbers. And, and these numbers typically have something attached to them. They typically mean something... Um, in one way or the other, and the number seven is a number of completion or, or perfection. The number five typically represents the number of grace. And we know the church of Philadelphia was the number of grace. They were the church, fifth church. And, and so, so, so there's seven days in the week and seven colors on the spectrum and seven... Um, I'm trying to think of that word. There's seven notes in the instrument balances and everything works off those seven. There's a lot of things. God has things designed the way he wants things. Amen. And it's, it's perfect to me, and I'm thankful for that. And so, so Revela- Revelation identifies as seven churches and seven seals and seven trumpets and seven vile judgments and seven or bowl judgments and seven horns and, and all of those things. And so uh, four, on the other hand, four is considered the, the number of the earth. It's considered the number of the very earth that we have here. And there, there are four seasons. There are four elements. There are... Everybody with me? I mean, that, I'm just trying to bring this to your eyes uh, on that. This could mean something very important. But, and so there's the four elements. There's earth, wind, fire, and water. Is that right? And so, so there's, there's the four elements which are on the earth. There's four directions, north, east, south, and west. Don't you think it has something to do with the earth? And so, so I think it's important to understand that. So we have here four angels on four corners uh, of the earth uh, holding back four winds which are on the earth. Uh, and so the number just lets us know that we are dealing with an event that is taking place upon the earth. That's used in the Bible as a literal, okay? There's four. And so it's the time of judgment is what it is. But what it is, is a time of mercy. There's a highly purposeful gap in punishment. Everybody quit? Everybody okay? Secondly, I want you to notice there's a heavenly presence governing that's presented. Here comes another angel. Look at verse number 2 and 3. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So, here comes another angel. This is difficult preaching, okay? I understand it's difficult preaching. It's not like, like I'm trying to teach you something tonight. And, and, but, but it's difficult preaching it, and so that's why I'm kind of like, you know, but, but I, want you to, I want you to think about who, 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 the who of this angel. I want to think about that. Who, the who. Of this angel. That's what I thought. The who of this angel. Who is this? John watches, and, and I've read commentaries on it. And most of them believe it's Jesus. Now, I didn't come here to just go against all the commentaries because men of God of old are smarter than I am. But but John looks on this angel and John sees it and it appears and it's and it's appearing on the earth, and this angel 
rises from the east like the sun would rise from the east and and some have taken this as to this angel to be Jesus but I, I do not believe that this is Jesus at all. Now notice the word here. You've got to understand words. I like little words, remember? It says, and I saw another angel. Now, that means that would be putting it back to them other angels. Is that right? Now that word in the Greek term, you know what it means? It's a word alos in the Greek. You know what that word means? It means another. It's going to blow your mind. It means another. So that tells us exactly who this angel is. It's another angel. And that's all it is. That's all it is. It's just another angel. It's just another angel. And so therefore, uh, who we have here, we have no clue. In a personality. We have no clue who this is. But he comes to tell the other angels on this earth to put a pause in the judgment that's that's taking place. And so the who of this angel. Then I want you to notice the words of this angel. The words. He says there in in verse number um, 3 saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees. Then there's one awesome word in this verse. It says till. Now this angel had some commanding powers. It had. It it seems that. And and the the tree huggers would not like this. Right? I like trees too. But the tree huggers and all the, the, the land creatures and all those people that are not like us, they, they would not like to hear this statement we've just read because there, there, there is a sudden announcement that proclaims uh, that, that, that there will come a time when it's destroyed. There will come. It says, don't, it says, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till. And so, so, so that's prominent. There's words from this angel. And, he said, and he's telling us that there will come a time when it will take place. And then so we see the who of this angel. We see the words of this angel. And then I want you to notice the what of this angel. Now, now, now what is this angel doing? He says, he tells us what he's doing. He said, until we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Until we have. They have. And so, 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 so the mark of Satan, uh, that Satan, mark, the mark of the beast as we know it, uh, is mentioned in, Gen- in Revelation chapter number 13. And in Revelation chapter 13 tells us that, that he will have to, his servants will have to have a mark in them. He's nothing but an imitator. He took it from God. And that's that's what he did here, and and so 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 it just happens to be that that's what he is. He's nothing but an imitator. That's all he's ever been. Uh, it's just an imitator of what God has made, uh, and so the mark will identify them uh, as servants. According to this, it says we have sealed uh, until we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads, uh, and so in this passage we're going to see the Lord God as He seals uh, His servants. We read those verses. As he seals his servants. Now, the word seal gives us the idea or the expression to mark. It gives us the idea or the expression to claim. Uh, it gives us the idea or expression to stamp. Or, 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 you know, you get it. You get it. Okay? And so, so the scripture gives us what we need to know about this. If, I mean, we, we can read this or we can read that, but, but there's only a few seals in Scripture. So think about these things, okay? There's a seal of conservation. And we'll find that in the book of Matthew. I'm going to turn there tonight. In the book of Matthew, we've only been preaching 25 minutes. The book of Matthew in chapter number 26, we find that there is a seal spoken of here. So in, in chapter 27, rather, in verse number 66, the Bible says, So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Can you guess what's taking place there? They're at Jesus' tomb. 
And they have buried him, and they are setting a seal on that stone. And so this seal, um, Jesus was sealed in his tomb. You can find the same seal in Daniel chapter number 6. But this seal, this seal here, and let me read Daniel chapter number 6 for you real quick. The reason I want to do that is it's got a pretty prominent um, thing that takes place in there because in Daniel chapter number 6 and verse number 17, the Bible says, and a stone was brought... And laid up on the mouth of the den. We know what's taking place here. And upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet. And with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed until uh, changed concerning. Now we know what a seal is. We studied that a little bit not too long ago, and that seal would be uh, something along the lines of being like a paste uh, or a or or what what. Wax, thank you. I'm trying to remember that word. I was about to say tar, but wax. And, and so they would put their ring in it and say, this is mine. And so it would put a seal in there. And so there's a seal of conservation. And what this purpose of this seal was uh, is that so nobody could get in and tamper with what was inside. And so they sealed Daniel's den of lions, the tomb. They was in, They sealed Jesus' tomb so nobody could get in. But thank God it didn't keep nobody from getting out. Amen. And so there's the seal of conservation there. And then there we see there's a seal of claiming. Now, in, in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 8 and verse 6, I'll not read it. But there's a seal. You have set a seal upon my heart. Uh, and so, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a claiming. It's a, it's a seal of possession. We know uh, we, can't, we, can, we can take and read the book of the Song of Solomon uh, and read it in a literary term. Uh, and because it is a literal husband and wife uh, and their sexual and uh, intimate and relationship and one with another uh, and it might be hard for you to read but it's the word of God amen uh, and so 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 that's what it is and it, so there's a seal of claiming and the, and the husband is saying hey I, you have been sealed on my heart uh, you're mine you're my possession uh, is what you are and it marks ownership and so then there is the seal in the book of the in the book of Esther. In the book of Esther, there's a seal, and, and I'm going to turn over there and read it for you. And Esther is right before Job. And and we see there in the book of Esther, I think it's right before Job. It was. My Bible has changed. Um, I'm just kidding. But in chapter number three of the book of Esther, in verse number 13, we find and the letters were sent by or verse number 12. Then were the king's scribes called on the 13th day of the first month, and there were written according to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's lieutenants and to the governors and over every province and to rulers of every people and of every province according to the writing thereof and to every people after their language in the name of King Ahasuerus was it written and sealed with the king's ring. We understand, you might not understand actually what is taking place here, but what is taking place here is that Haman, or there's, de- there's rather a decree, there's a decree here in this chapter that the Jews are to be killed. So we're going to call this a seal of certainty. And what it is, more or less, is this, this seal, it portrays realness. It portrays, um, basically, only ones that were going to be killed as Jews. If you weren't a Jew, you weren't going to be killed. And so it proclaims that there is realness. It proclaims a, a seal of certainty. All that were Jews were decreed to be killed. We understand that did not happen, but this is exactly how my sealing works. And if you're saved, this is exactly how your sealing works. And it's also how we see the sealing in chapter 7 of the book of the Revelation. And so um, we can read and think about it. This is um, exactly how everything takes place. Uh, and so, guess what? The Father has sealed me. Ephesians in chapter number 4, and um, the Bible says, let me turn there for you. I'll read these. We're moving along. In chapter 3, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed in the day of redemption. God has sealed us into the day of redemption. So that is a seal of conservation. 
That is the seal that I mentioned. We are sealed. We are protected. And there can nobody mess with me when I'm sealed like that, right? And nobody can get me out of the Father's hand, more or less. The seal of conservation. And then the Son has sealed me. Now, now it, it's, it's, a, it's a work. It's the way it works like this. 1 Corinthians and chapter number 6 and uh, verse number 19. The Bible says, uh, the Bible says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So we understand that Jesus paid the debt and therefore we are sealed by Him is what we are. We are sealed by Him. He did the sealing there and we see that. And I think it's 2 Corinthians and chapter number 1, I think in verse number 11. No, it's not that verse. But I'm not sure where that verse is, but it's in here somewhere or another. So, but nonetheless, let me let me move on. So, so we see that there there's a seal that the Son has done. We're going to call that the seal uh, um, of claiming. Okay, it's so so we are gods. Amen. We are gods, and so so He has bought us with His blood, and therefore we belong to Him. Then the Spirit has sealed us. We call this the seal of certainty. Now let me show you what the Bible says in the book of the in the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, in chapter number 16, in chapter number 8, verse number 16. The Bible says right there, everybody alright? The Bible says right here, the Bible says, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So it's a, it's a seal of certainty, right? He is telling us and telling everybody else. He certifies that we are the sons of God. Amen. And so that invisible mark has been placed on me. I'm sealed. Through the day of redemption, I'm sealed till I get to heaven. And so these 144,000 are sealed for the very same reasoning. They are protected until they come uh, into heaven and until their mission on this earth is complete. They're sealed. Now, this, in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation, this is God's elect. According to the foreknowledge of God. This is his elect. There's 144,000 of them. And they're sealed. They're going to be sealed. They still have to be saved. But they're going to be sealed. Because God's word says they are, right? Isn't that enough? Isn't that good enough? Amen. And so so this is God's elect. These 144,000 are the real descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are God's elect. Amen. They are the Lord's. They're God's people. Everybody understanding me? These are God's people. These are the chosen of God. Okay? These 144,000. Hope everybody understands that because every Jew out there thinks they're chosen. Okay? These are the chosen of God. These are 144,000 that God has chosen. Do I believe that the Jews are God's people? Absolutely. But do I believe that Gentiles are God's people? Yes, we just read it. Amen. My beloved, therefore are you sons of God? All right. So, so uh, nonetheless, but let me just move on. But there's a highly purposeful gap in punishment. Then there is a heavenly presence governing uh, which is presented, and then lastly, and I'm done, there's a holy people group that is proclaimed. Verse 4 through 7, it tells us of them. I heard the number of them were sealed. I'll just tell you their names. Uh, Forty and four thousand of all the tribes of children of Israel, Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Nephtali, Manasseh, Levi, Simeon, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. That's the ones that were sealed. There's a few missing, but they're still. So, anytime we're introduced to the people, 
According to context, we're introduced to the people that the angel has come to seal. These are the servants of God. That was just mentioned in verse number 3. These people are saved. They're sealed. They're sold out and they're servants for Jesus. Amen. How about Deering, yes. Deering. Yes, we'll get to that in just a minute. Yeah, thank you for asking. But however, one thing we need to know is who are they and what are they up to? It's not the easiest thing in the world, but who are they? Now, I want you to look at the root. We, we, we're not reading those verses again, but the Bible is very clear as to where these people, these tribes came from. They are all the tribes of the children of Israel. You'll have no idea how much people get that wrong. But these are the tribes. You have no idea how many times it has gotten wrong. But can... These are the tribes of the children of Israel. The 12 lost tribes have not been lost as they think they have. So, so or the 10 rather, sorry. Um, but, but over the years, over all the years, many groups have come in and they have claimed to be the 144,000 in Revelation chapter 7. I mean, we got the Jehovah's Witnesses. That have claimed to be 144,000 until they superseded 144,000. And now there's 144,000 on earth and there's going to be 144,000 in heaven. I don't know where they got that from. The worldwide church has claimed that they're going to be the 144,000. The Seventh-day Adventists have claimed to be 144,000. But all of them have superseded 144,000. So therefore it would be non-negotiable they are not them. Not for them, though. That's not what they think. They just come up with another way of describing it. But, but they've all made the claim that they are the hundred four. But, but if, if anyone ever claims, if you ever talk to a Jehovah's Witness, ask them this question. If you're a Jehovah's Witness and you're part of the 144,000, then what tribe are you out of? What tribe are you out of? You know what? They're going to be stumped. You know why? Because all these are all the tribes of the children of Israel. Therefore, they must be a Jew. Right? Full Jew. So we're, we're looking at those things and, and just describing it and thinking about it. That They'll usually run when you ask them a question along those because they don't have no answer. They don't have no answer. Now, others have said that the 144,000 represent the church. That is also a wrong view. Now, the text is very clear. These 144,000 are Jewish, right? They're Jews. Can a Jew be a part of the church? 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the Jew is not you and you are not the Jew. And so, so we must not get those things mixed up. They're, they're called out and they're saved out of the tribes of Israel. This brings to mind a few questions that I would like to address if I could. Why are these exactly 12 tribes from each 12 tribes? 12,000 from each 12 tribes. Why are they only 12,000 from each 12 tribes? Well, we could think about that in a few different manners, but 12 in the Bible is a number that is associated with Israel. So we could think about there was 12 loaves of shoe bread in the tabernacle. I mean, there was 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 gates into the city of Jerusalem. There was 12 stones in the breastplate of the high priest. It's associated with Israel. But that's not a good enough answer. So who are these? Why are they here? But 
It tells me that they're not, God's not done with Israel. God is not done with Israel. He's clearly remembering mercy. Because we can remember back where these same people are the ones who neglected Him. The same people are the ones who did not want anything to do with Jesus. His own received Him not. We can remember back in the book of Numbers in chapter number 31... There's a, there's, a, there's a dispute going on, if you will. There's a, there's a situation going on in Numbers chapter number 31. There's a conflict that is broken out. And God chooses without respecter of person. God chooses out of every single tribe. He chooses 1,000 men in Numbers chapter 31. So this is kind of a, a pre... It's a, it's, a, it's a view of what is to come, okay? So there's a thousand of all men, they're chosen, they're, God's not a respective person. He chooses those a thousand men. And it's amazing how if you read the end of that story in verse number 49, I think it is, of chapter 31 of the book of Numbers, the Bible says there that there lacketh not any man of us. You know that saying in country redneck language? Nobody died through all of the all of the conflict, through all of the war, through all of those things. The ones that God chose did not die. Can I just tell you that in the in the tribulation, I'm going to jump ahead. These are preachers. These 144,000 are preachers of the gospel, and they are not going to die either. Nonetheless, so so. Why? Here's another question you might ask: Why are there two missing? Why is Dan missing? Ephraim was blessed by Jacob, by, by Jacob, the son of Joseph. Why is he missing out of this? Why are these two tribes missing? Now Ephraim got the biggest blessing, other than Judah. So, so why are they missing? Well, why is Levi in there? Why is Simeon in there? Look at the sin they did in Genesis 35. So I'm just thinking about this. If you also were to think about this. Remember when we went through the Bible maps and looked at them? You remember Levi didn't get anything? You remember that? You remember Simeon didn't get any place? It's it's amazing to me to think about that. But they're here. In the kingdom ages, they're here. So, we could also think about Joseph. Joseph's sons were blessed. Joseph was blessed, don't get me wrong, but... Joseph was not blessed in Genesis chapter 48. There was no direct blessing to Joseph. That's speaking of kingdom age. Remember when we went through it? But Joseph's here. I don't know. It just seems amazing to me. But Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, were adopted by Jacob. They were given inheritance in Israel. And... It appears that Dan and Ephraim are not mentioned because of their placement in the kingdom age. And how they they walked into a place of deep idolatry. Look where Dan ended up. (laughs) I'm not going to get into it, but there was a lot that happened to Dan. And Dan's name is not a very pleasant name. I'm, I'm... his, his, his meaning of his name, we went through that. I can't remember what it means, but Ephraim is not pleasant, but all the rest of them are pretty pleasant names. But nonetheless, they're left out of the list. So how and when will these 144,000 be saved? Here's what I believe. I believe that these will be saved. They're sealed. They're marked right here. Hold on. They're giving us a view of this, okay? 
He's given us a view of what is to come. But I believe they'll be saved through the preaching of the two gospel witnesses in, 11, in chapter 11 and chapter 12 of the book of the Revelation. The reason I believe that is because these 144,000 go in chapter number 14 to share, the, to share the everlasting gospel. That's when they're sent out to preach. And so they're saved. I believe they're saved in chapter 11, chapter 12. Then they're sent out to preach. Still good commission, amen? And so, so here they are, and then God, we know that God sends two preachers, and you can believe who they are and who you think they are, but I think, I've, I, I, think I know who they are. But nonetheless, is that there is a, there's a, they're going to send out these to, to preach. These 144,000 will be converted and sealed and have the special ministry for the Lord. And so it's, it's important to know these things. And, but another thing that marks them, another thing that marks them, and I'm, and I'm hurrying, another thing that marks them is that, that God knows who they are. God knows who these 144,000 out of each tribe is. And there is only one Jew in the entire universe who, who, who still possesses the accurate genealogy of all Jews and where they come out of. And they're, they're not missing tribes. He knows he's from the tribe of Judah. And he knows every one of them out of the tribe of Judah. He knows every one of them out of the tribe of Asher. He knows every one of them out of the tribe of Joseph and so on. There's no other Jews. They said that the genealogical records were destroyed in A.D. 70 when Titus, the Roman general, come in and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. So uh, that's fine. But Jesus knows. Amen. He knows, friend. No other Jew knows where they're from, but Jesus does. Isn't that a blessing? And he knows how to use them for his work. We've seen their root. I'm done. We've seen their responsibility. So now that we have a little more information regarding who these are, their mission is during the tribulation. So back in the book of Matthew, when Jesus is preaching in Matthew 24, in verse number 14, the Bible says, And this gospel, it's the same gospel. Amen. It's the same gospel he's preaching. It's this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witnesses unto all nations. So that tells us a little bit of what's going to come next week. In all the world, it's going to happen. And then it says, at the end of that verse, and then, and then. Not before, but then shall the end come. It tells us the timing here. I believe it starts into the second period and there's some things that take place. But despite 2,000 years of evangelism and mission work and all of the stuff that comes about, this has a verse, this is a verse that's never been fulfilled. There are hundreds of millions of people in our world who's never heard the gospel. Hundreds of thousands. I'll say hundreds of thousands. But during the tribulation, that's going to change. That's going to change. Because every single person that has not heard the gospel will hear a clear presentation of the gospel. And they won't need churches to support them. They have Jesus, and they will preach the everlasting gospel of the kingdom to all men. So you tell me what the everlasting gospel of the kingdom is. It's the same gospel that was preached to the Jew at the beginning. Right now, we're given, it's the same thing. You still have to go through, through faith in, in Christ Jesus. There's only one way. But remember, as Jesus was coming in, the Jews would have had a kingdom, right? 
So I, nonetheless, what I'm telling you is that these Jews will be the real Jehovah's Witnesses. And they'll come in and they'll preach the gospel and the Antichrist will try and stop them, but he will be powerless to stop or hinder or put a stumbling block to their ministry because Jesus is behind it. Amen, friend. God will protect them and they will 100% be born again. There'll be many. That's where, that's where verse 9 comes from. And this, after this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindred, people, and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. This is a bold statement. But Jesus did not clothe the church in white robes. He will later. But he did not close us. But these are clothed in white robes. And they've come out of the great tribulation. Out of it. John said, whence comes thou? Whence comes thou? Who are they and where did they come from? Sir, thou knowest. And the elder asked him about it. He said, sir, you, sir thou knowest. He said, these are they which cameth came out of the great tribulation. If you come out of something, you've got to be in it. They come out of it. And they have washed their robes. Let me read it. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And so we see that. All the gospel that's ever been preached will never reach the whole world, unfortunately. But when the tribulation comes, doesn't mean we need to stop, by the way. Amen. That's our commission. We ought to try to reach the whole world. And if God allows it to reach the whole world, then praise God, we've reached the whole world. Amen. Not, not limiting God. But I'm telling you, in the tribulation time, Whoever hasn't heard the gospel will hear it. And they'll have the opportunity to accept Jesus as their Savior. Will there be a spirit to draw them? There'll be difference. It'll be different. I promise you that. But I'm thankful that there will be 144,000 Jewish preachers that are mentioned in this pause that will come out They'll preach with the zeal of God on their lives. These 144,000 are still kindly a mystery. But I'll tell you what they are. They're preachers. And they're going to be carrying out the gospel of Jesus Christ in the tribulation period. And they know what they're doing. They're led by God. And they'll have zeal. And they'll have the ceiling on their lives. No man can touch them. Now you think about it. I pray you've been saved tonight. But man, I'm thankful to be saved and sealed. Amen. I'm thankful Jesus saved me. And one of these days, one of these days, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be in the tribulation to experience it. But man, I can see it very clearly here that Jesus is in wrath. He's remembering mercy. Help you, help me in our wrath to remember mercy. I promise you, if you're not in the praise, you'll be in the punishment. And if you're not in the praise and you're in the punishment and you're in this building tonight, I promise you, you will not be the one that's in the great multitude in the pause. You will not be that one. Because you've heard the gospel loud and clear here. You better get saved if you lost. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness, grace, and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for how you remember mercy during a time of wrath.
God, I ask you to help us along our way. Lord, I know I've been a little long tonight, but I pray, God, you'd help the words, Lord, that have come out tonight. Might have been a little different, Lord, but I pray, God, that you got glory from it all. Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the word of God, the special, special truths, Lord, that we can receive from it. Help us, Lord, to carry them out. Lord, help us, Lord, to apply them to our lives, Lord, to realize, Lord, if we're not in the praise, Lord, we'll surely not be in the pause. We'll be in the midst of punishment. Lord, help us, Lord, help us to live our life, Lord, pleasing unto you. Lord, let this, let this word, Lord, be a lamp unto our feet. Let it be a light unto our path, Lord. Let us hide, our, hide its words in our heart. We might sing it's you, Lord. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for all that you do. Help us as we go home. Help us as we finish this week. Let us glorify you in our walk, Lord. Let, your, let our light so shine for me. Then we see our good works, Lord, and glorify you which are in heaven, Lord. We love you. We praise you and we thank you. Thank you for each person that's came out tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.